Hello everyone, this is Noah and John. We are from Urban Digs. This is Talk in Manhattan. And Johnny, we're going legal, okay? A lot of legal things going on right now. And we got our good friend, Jamie Heiberger Harrison here. We've had her on before. Yeah. Oh, pleasure, guys. Great yep. you. We love Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. Um, she works at SDK and Heiberger LLP, okay? She does a ton of transactions. She's gonna tell us what she's seeing on the front lines of the legal side, which is kind of where all the action is right now, right? right? So without further wasting time, uh, Jamie, in today's COVID world, what are the top legal challenges that you're seeing that are delaying deals from getting executed today? You know, I think one of the biggest things that I've noticed of late is when it comes to the financing contingency. I'm mm -hmm. sure you guys are hearing it and seeing it. So many deals in your, you know, below, below even just if you focused on just below a million, which there's definitely a certain number of them, or maybe it's below two. I think that the numbers were about 60% of deals were below 2 million, if, if somewhere around there. Yep, yeah. In those, more, yeah. It's very likely that the buyer does need financing. And what happens is you are getting these multiple offers. Clients are using losing deals. They're losing deals if they don't sign up fast enough. But at the same token, it takes time to do the due diligence. And one of the big issues is, when there's not a financing contingency and something comes up in the due diligence, how is the buyer going to sign a non-contingent deal when we're seeing banks really get stricter on the underwriting process? And what if it's the building that they won't loan against? So that's really one of the big challenges that I'm finding that we do need more those building contingencies more than we did in the past. So not necessarily about the purchaser, but just the building. No, that's interesting. And I'm curious, are you seeing more and more buildings basically come off the financing list from, from the mortgage banks and sort of throwing a wrench into the process? Well, it's not that they're coming off the list. You know, we were doing a deal not that long ago and it was a land lease building and it wasn't about it being a land lease. In this particular transaction, it was that there were too many commercial spaces that were not rented and the high concentration of commercial without collecting those rents the banks just were not, they just weren't going to loan. And we mm -hmm. had a transaction and that hasn't happened in a really long time. And right. it's not the first time that we've had issues. You know, I had a new development that we had a commitment from one bank and lo and behold, gets to underwriting and they're not gonna fund the loan because of the, uh, because of the number of sales that were already, deals that were already in contract, it wasn't high enough. And so we had to switch lenders. You know, when you hear those things happening and you have a client that comes to you and you know that your client can, can't close without the financing, you really need to get them that, that protection. And now you're changing the terms at the last minute. So it's, you know, it's, it, it's certainly a challenge on top of just the challenge of people getting fearful that, well, what happens if there's another wave and I can't move out of where I am? And people still want those COVID protections. Right. So, so Jamie, are, are sellers trying to get that contingency? But I mean, this is like no environment for sellers to even ask anything. Right. Right. But I can understand what you're saying. I mean, so, so for people that are, are, are new to this, what you're saying is that like the part of the close alone is that is the banks have to fund that loan and they're they're Some of these buildings are not passing the test, right? They're not, they're not fundable as you're, as you're saying. Correct. Or, or, you know, it just might, it just might be a challenge and it just might take some time and right. Those risks. Um, there's also the other challenge that I'm finding, and it's happening. It happened to me as recently as this morning. I just had, um, you know, I just had one of my brokers I work with had contacted me this morning that their deal did not appraise, and that's another big challenge. I think that we're not only facing now, and it's going to continue because, unfortunately, a, 
when you didn't have a lot of things selling and we had this downtime, where are these comps coming from? And right. so if it doesn't appraise, it happens to be that I had a financing contingency on this one. So it's real simple. The owner is going to need to reduce the price or my client may very well cancel the deal. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's challenging. You know, it's a challenge where there's apartments that might need work and buildings have stricter rules than they did in the past where yeah. maybe only limiting the amount of jobs that can get done in the building and therefore those units are getting, you know, tougher to sell. Yeah, I mean, this is something that everyone doesn't see often, these things that you're talking about, Jamie. Um, can I just ask you, generally speaking, I mean, we're in November right now. Um, I mean, I, I think the data, I mean, I, the data show me that the sales market's coming back a little bit um, compared to the, the crazy slow um, shutdown period. Are you seeing that too, in terms of? I really am. I really am. You know what? The deals may not be the same dollar value that they were in the past, but when I look at the volume, I happen to have looked because look, we're a new, we're a new firm and we wanted to see, well, what do things look like from October 1 through October 31st? And the volume of closing files, while it definitely wasn't the biggest month I've ever had in my career, you know, I think, I think we had about 50-ish new transactions, not including the bank deals that we get, mm -hmm. uh, which was not really, you know, pretty, pretty good, pretty online. Yeah where things generally would be, you know? So I do think that the volumes picked up and I will say it's not, I've had many, I've had handfuls, more than one handful of deals that my clients actually ended up losing the deal because they didn't sign quick enough. And that does happen, you know? Some of these people, I've had multiple, multiple deals where the seller just wants to sell. And if they start seeing it's not getting signed fast enough, and you're going into that next, you know, going through another weekend, the buyers really have to be careful because if the seller goes and gets that all cash offer when they had a contingent offer prior, they may very well kick your deal to the side, you know, come Monday morning. And that does yeah. happen. So people have yeah. to be prepared to move quickly. No, I think that's a great point. I'm just curious, you know, if, you know, if you look at it from the agent side, what kind of things should agents be doing today to prepare their clients for tomorrow and, you know, down the road for smoother transactions? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's, you know, it's it's that dancing that fine line of not wanting to be too pushy, but being realistic in educating your client to understand that, you know, when there are multiple deals and when there are contingencies, mm -hmm. that there's a risk that the seller is going to sell to somebody else and just getting the funds ready. You know, oftentimes clients do need to move funds and, you know, it's always... To, to first wait to move that money and now all of a sudden you're making it just to the just till that Friday. Well, guess what? If you don't send the wire soon enough, it's not going to hit by Friday. You're not going to get the countersigned contract and then it's going to push you into the weekend. So I think setting up, making sure your funds are available is key. Mm -hmm. Make sure that um, you've, you've done the homework that you need to be doing. You know, if you're working with the bank and you are getting that financing, get as much information over to the loan officer as you can to get them a level of comfort, you know, before the deadline. Interesting. Yeah. I, and if I could just follow up quickly, because, you know, one of the, the mismatches sort of in terms of, you know, what's happening on the street and what the media is reporting is, you know, you think that buyers think that they've got the world in their hands right now. And in many cases, that's true. They do have a lot of leverage compared to where they did. But I think there might be some overreach. And I'm curious if you're seeing some sort of things that would have not been the case a couple of years ago, sort of being de facto now, like tr people trying to bring in uh, home inspectors for what would have normally been just taken care of with a, with a final walkthrough or things like that. You know, I haven't noticed on like the inspection front so much. Um, 
I think that I think that there is definitely a tendency where you can get some buyers thinking like, you know, hey, you know, no one's buying here, which isn't true at all. I mean, you know, it, it, when you like I said, in that price point below two million, those deals are going. And I think that people shouldn't take for granted that the deal is going to be theirs. Um, I think that, you know, I've noticed where there's, you know, just for example, I'm doing a lease right now with, uh, there's a broker that contacted me yesterday and she says, you know, I've never had this before. The tenant comes in and, and gives a list of 30 items that they want fixed before they move in. And, you know, she's, historically that hadn't happened. Certainly on the tenant front, I think that there's definitely, people are definitely going to milk it. Everybody knows that the rental market is terrible. Not yeah. to know, you know, on the, uh, on the sales side of things, but certainly, Certainly, I do think that people push the envelope a little bit, you know, asking for a little bit more than they would normally get, whether it's, you know, whether it's leaving behind the furniture or whether it's, you know, throwing in the storage or whatever the additional extra is. Um, there are definitely concessions being given. Hey, hey, Jamie, um, when you think about putting deals together um, in the rental market right now, sure. um, are, are we like, is this like the worst? Are we at the worst part of the rental cycle right now? I mean, I would say I would say that if I had to pick the bottom, I think we're sitting in it. Yes, because it feels mm -hmm. like we're sitting. I mean, I'm just thinking. I'm trying to think because the sales market recovered yeah. from the bottom, but the rental market seems to be still the. Yeah, I mean, look, sales market's still going to be somewhat down, but is the number big? Probably not. You know, it's probably less than twenty percent at this point. Um, the rental market is completely, you know, it's horrific. It's terrible. Um, yeah. I do think if somebody had to guess where the bottom is, I definitely do think we're sitting in it. And I think the worst possible scenario and problem for all owners right now with respect to rentals is the fact that the owners have a duty to mitigate if their tenant leaves. And you get into this constant like headbutting of tenant wants to break the lease and landlords doesn't want to let the tenant break the lease, but the landlord's not understanding that they don't have a choice. You know, if the tenant wants to leave, they can leave and they, you have a duty to mitigate. So it's really made the, uh, it's, it, it's going to create a very big challenge for owners down the road if they try and go after the tenants for that lost rent and they didn't take the proper steps to mitigate their damages. Yeah, that's, 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 that's a, key, a key statement. So I just want to ask you real quick on the sale side. I, I know it's hard to figure this out because you're doing all the legal and you're not really analyzing, but if you had a guess about um, how much discounts are there for like, I guess 2 million and under is one market. And then I guess the higher price points are different. Could you speak to anything or? You know, I rely on the brokers on this. And you know, what I've been hearing a lot of is basically that the numbers already came down pre COVID. You know, I would, I would venture to guess that you're probably looking at numbers that maybe they're, you know, maybe they're within 10 to 15% down on the sales side below. 2 million. Yeah. I don't think that they're down more than that. And I would say below a million, you know, even smaller, um, above 2 million, I would say that they're definitely down, you know, who knows, 30%, 20%, 25%. Um, but the low, below 2 million, I would say it's pretty insignificant. Yeah. That, that's, that's kind of what our numbers are showing around 10, 12% in the, in the, in the below. And that kind of even was, you know, it was a little higher in June when I guess the shutdown was, but we've come down. So you're echoing kind of what the data is showing and the data is still coming in. So oh, yeah, of course. And I'm looking to, you know, we're probably going to hit a really cold time of year eventually. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a tough, you know, might be a tough few months, but hopefully 
I, you know, I'm optimistic. I think that certainly the uh, vaccine, you know, hearing the news from about Pfizer yesterday was really good news and certainly can get everyone sort of optimistic as to what the spring season will look like. Right. So that's, uh, I think we all can uh, be excited for that. Yeah, and, and again, like as things start to get back to normal, as airlines start coming in, as people start flying in and tourism starts coming back and, and businesses start sending their workers back in, I mean, this is gonna come in like surges and then delays and then surges and then this and then that over a period of time. But the point is that if you look at all these dynamics that are out there in the field today, from a buyer, from a renter, well, it's changed for the buy side already, but from the renter, this is it. Yeah. Like this is the time yeah. that like the blood's on the streets and you're sitting at the bottom there. You're not really falling anymore. This kind of, yeah. I mean, it really reminds me, look, I remember during, you know, right after 9-11, you know, I, I, had a, I had a property downtown that I owned. I mean, the rental market was crushed. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't know statistics as to, I'm sure Jonathan Miller's told us or Donna, but it, I don't know the statistics comparing, you know, after 9-11 to now in the rental market, but it's got to be close. It just has to be. I can't imagine it being that far. And look, it turns, and this will turn around to at some point. Um, it's going to be, I think, I do believe when this, when, when we have the vaccine and, you know, death is pretty much off the table, mm -hmm. I think going to see a really, really fast recovery of people getting back to normal and New York City feeling really safe again. And, you know, hopefully the market taking a nice little, you know, uptick into 2021. Yeah, if I could, if I could just sort of, you know, dwell on that for a second, I'm curious if you could kind of take us into the mindset of on who are you, your buyer clients, have they been talking to you kind of about what, what makes them excited to purchase in this market? And, and conversely on the sales side, what, what are sellers thinking? Are they leaving the city or just trying to ante up or? No, I, you know, I've seen it all. I have a buyer that, you know, we just signed somebody up at 111 Murray uh, yesterday. And they, actually they closed. I'm sorry. They closed at 111 Murray yesterday. And they are so excited. I heard from both the husband and wife yesterday. And they're, they're really psyched to live in that building. And I think there's a lot of people out there that feel that way. And why? Because they got a purchase for a lower price than they would have gotten it pre-COVID. And being able to get that extra bedroom and being able to, you know, just get more than you could have gotten before. People yeah. are excited about it. And I think there's a lot of that that's happened. Yeah. And these windows, I mean, I know it's been open for a while. It's been open for eight months now, these win this window. And it's been declining a little bit in the, in the sales market. It's still wide open in the rental market. But, you know, it changes. It changes. Something happens like you wake up one day and then all of a sudden, like the news, like you just said, things change. And now it's a little bit of a different world than it was just yesterday. Correct. That's how these things happen. So you got to, as a, as a buyer renter, you got to understand, you know, if you're waiting, if you're waiting to see that recovery, you're probably going to miss it. So, oh yeah. Question yeah. about it. I mean, you just can't, you can't, you can't pull the market like that. You just have yeah. to, you know, you just have, you, we know it's down, whether it's the lowest or not, it's not going to matter. I mean, if you, depends also what you're buying, you know, what's going to happen with all of these, you know, older co-ops on Park Avenue that need, you know, tons of renovations yeah. to have there. Are those prices going to go back up? You know? Yeah, I hear you. Jamie, thank you so much. John, you get any questions for Jamie or no? No, I just, I'm just curious, Jamie, you know, if you, if you just have a, a couple seconds to tell us kind of, a, uh, you know, what your final thoughts here are for, for buyers and sellers in this market, just from the, you know, from the legal front, what things should they be focused on to sort of, you know, guide themselves to an, uh, either a, a purchase or a sale? 
Sure. I mean, look, just keep in mind, rates are still low, even though they may not be as low as they were. They've only inched up a little bit. You might not get that two and a half, but you're still going to have that 3%. It's still a really good rate. Prices are definitely on the down. You know, you're still able to get more than you were able to get a few weeks ago. So if you were thinking of buying, you know, I do, I definitely think now is the time to take advantage of it and, you know, go for the property and lock into the rate. We don't know how long they're going to be this low. And I think, you know, I think it's a great time. I mean, if I was even remotely in the market, I would be buying right now. Um, I would love to make an, I would love to buy some investments and take advantage of, you know, the lower price points. Yeah, I feel the same way. I wish I had a few million dollars just to put into, into, into some some assets right now. Jamie Heiberger Harrison, thank you so much for your time. You're of SDK and Heiberger LLP. You're awesome. That is John Walkup. I am Noah Rosenblatt and we are from Urban Digs. We're talking Manhattan and we'll catch you next time. Thank you so much.